Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor of Variety. Today, my guest in New York is Gary Nell, chairman of National Geographic Partners. National Geographic is in for a big transition this month as Disney completes its historic acquisition of 21st Century Fox. The deal includes Fox's majority interest in the National Geographic Partners joint venture with the nonprofit National Geographic Society. Nell, who has headed NatGeo since late 2013, offers his insight into how NatGeo fits into Disney's larger plan to launch a global streaming platform. He also reflects on Fox's stewardship of the NatGeo brand. The partnership the two struck back in 1997 raised some eyebrows at the start, but Nell, who ran Sesame Workshop and NPR before he came to NatGeo, says flatly that the storied magazine and society might not exist today if it hadn't expanded into cable television back in 1997. Gary Nell, chairman of National Geographic Partners, thank you so much for coming in during what mi- what must be a very busy time for you. Yeah, it's great to be here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, National Geographic, like uh, most of the rest of 21st Century Fox, is just about to be formally absorbed by the Walt Disney Company. And the Disney Company has no shortage of ambition for what it's going to do with these new assets. As everybody in the media world knows, they are launching. You know, the goal is to launch a major streaming platform that will eventually be, be global. As you sit at the helm of National Geographic Partners, the partnership between what is now Dis- what will be Disney and the National Geographic Society, what do you see on the horizon for the brand with this, you know, incredible merger and this ambitious energy behind? behind launching these brands in the streaming arena. We are super excited, I mean, to be joining up with the Walt Disney Company. Nobody manages brands better than they do. Um, And, you know, we've been now put out forward already as one of five core brands, along with Star Wars and Pixar and Marvel and Disney and National Geographic. So we're really excited about that. And and as uh, Bob Iger and all of his colleagues reposition Disney towards more of a direct-to-consumer um, business, I think um, we're perfectly positioned to um, to be part of that portfolio and connect with this tribe of curious people around the world, which is what National Geographic's been about for over 130 years. How do you think... Um how do you think, do you have a sense of what it will look like on day one for the service? Will will, Nat Ge- will National Geographic be offered as a live feed as it exists now? Will it be all VOD? Do you have a sense of that? Well, and, you know, first of all, National Geographic Partners is a joint venture between Fox today, Disney, you know, soon, <laughs> next week, and uh, and the uh, National Geographic Society, which is a nonprofit, um, and we will be uh, positioned to be able to have, of course, our linear service continuing, which is in 170 countries around the world and is very successful, one of the most widely distributed quote-unquote cable channels in the world. Um, and and then we'll be on the streaming services of both Disney Plus and Hulu, most likely to be um, on-demand type programming that um, you can pull up um, rather than streaming, I think, at the beginning. And I think part of the plan is to have a lot of amazing libraries 
contemporary and original content that will be exclusive to Disney Plus, and we're just beginning to to get our arms around that. You know, we haven't been able to really do that before the closing for legal reasons, um, and now that the closing is about to happen, we'll we'll be on our way. Can you remember? Let's go back just about eighteen months when the word first surfaced about Disney and Twenty First Century Fox coming together. Do you remember what you thought at the time? A lot of us, including me, it, it took a bit to wrap our heads around it. Can you tell me what the reaction was internally? Well, I remember sort of hearing from our colleagues at Twenty One CF like th- these rumors you've been hearing about are true, <laughs> <laughs> and and it was like oh, <laughs> and I think everyone was surprised. Um, you know, this was really, I think. Um, invented in many ways by Bob and and Rupert Murdoch, um, and um, they they came to a meeting of the minds. Um, and once you wrap your head around it, Cynthia, I think um, it made a lot of sense for both parties. I think Fox, in some ways, decided that this arms race in Hollywood, even being a sixty plus billion dollar company, um, was going to be hard to compete against Netflix and Amazon and everyone else. Um, and Disney was able to bulk up with their amazing firepower they had already, and now adding the Fox assets to to what they had already uh, becomes a real. Um, you know, competitor and and perhaps the winner in that in that race going forward. So I think it made a lot of sense for both parties, and then uh, and then Fox I think can work on its core brands that it has traditionally been in, including news and sports and and uh, the network and the O and Os and everything else. So I think it made sense for a lot a lot of people. I would also say that Fox has been a fantastic partner for National Geographic. This is an incredibly creative culture um, and our uh, you know, our partners and Peter Rice and, and Lachlan and James Murdoch and everyone have been super supportive of National Geographic um, and have given us capital to invest in programming and, and really turn loose our creative assets. And um, so I think part of it is, is a little bit bittersweet in the sense that the, the creative freedom that Fox has given us is, you know, we're going to now turn to a new partner and I'm sure we will have um, that creative freedom as well but you know it's always a change and um, we're looking forward to it but I think we'll we'll miss some of that freedom that that, uh, Fox gave us. It's interesting that you say that because going on 20 years ago when Fox and National Geographic came together there was a lot of Wow, Rupert Murdoch, who had a reputation for a different kind of journalism and a more, you know, a more sensationalistic take on the world, and there were definitely some eyebrows raised. But in your experience, that you know, that they were they were in fact supportive. They did not try to tell you to sex up the magazine or put, you know, put supermodels on on National Geographic television. Yeah, somebody had sent me a picture of. Um, a mock-up of what they thought it could become, and it was a picture of a dolphin, and it said, "Dolphins, who needs them?" You know, so I think that that I n- never came to fruition. I would there wasn't one instance that I know of of quote unquote editorial interference. I think you know the one thing about Fox is they, as we've seen from their television network and FX and the other the movie studio, there's a reason why they've won all these awards, and there's a reason why. Um, these these creative enterprises have spawned some amazing shows over the years, like Modern Family and The Simpsons and This Is Us and all kinds of things coming out of there. That it's about creative freedom, and I think they 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 stand for that. And I think they 
decided to double down on National Geographic, and I would have I would say this um, that you know without the cable investment that was made twenty years ago, it was long before my time. Uh, there's a good chance National Geographic wouldn't be around today. I mean, I think we were you know we were a print magazine with a legacy. Um, and we all know where print magazines are today. We're in a better mm-hmm. place than many others, but it's tough. And without that investment of resources, uh, who knows where we would have been. The television revenue and cash flow is that significant to the society. I mean, it's not a surprise, but interesting to hear you say that. Is there any part of you that is happy to be, you're going to be dis- distanced from Fox News? Had it ever been tense to have Fox be under the same corporate umbrella as Fox News, given that there is a lot of, often a lot of criticism of the of the cha- of that channel's programming? Yeah, I mean, we were able to, I think, access Fox News, and I was able to get a number of our explorers and journalists who are covering issues like wildlife trafficking and other things onto those platforms that reach an audience that perhaps the, you know, the traditional media hasn't reached. So I viewed it as an opportunity. Look, I think National Geographic is one of these um, nonpartisan um, enterprises, and we've been able to to actually be popular among the left and the right. Um, we, if you look at our subscriber base, we have a lot of a lot, a lot of subscribers in red states as well as blue states. And I think there's a reason for that, um, that we're trying to appeal towards um, people's better instincts. And I think being able to access Fox News was part of that strategy. Um, we, you know, we're looking forward to a new relationship with ABC News, um, with Disney, and we've... Um, We've got some great ideas about how we can work together on some on some issues going forward. How um, so? It sounds like in terms of in terms of you know we're hearing that there is a just a general a big acceleration of production activity across Disney and and the Fox folks are preparing. It sounds like you all are also you know know that you're going in with some marching orders to develop some really high end exclusive content for these streaming platforms. Yes, so we'll, you know, we're super excited. I think, you know, Kevin Mayer and Bob and everyone at Disney are, you know, doubling down on on direct to consumer and I think that the street is understands this um, and they want National Geographic to be a very important part of that. So whether we can unleash the creative energy that Courtney Monroe and and her colleagues on the channel have have been doing and winning a bunch of Emmy nominations and now Academy Awards. For uh, a free solo yeah. and an incredible documentary yeah. that, that really literally climbed the height of uh, the film documentary world. Which we're you know so proud of and just being able to be at the BAFTAs and the Academy Awards and winning, um, you know, you feel like a little kid sort of. But it's, um, it, you know, I think we can bring that kind of quality now to the Disney Plus and platform and we're being, you know, very encouraged to do that. Mm-hmm. How are you? You know, one of the big, one of the, one of the sort of groundbreaking things about about these streaming platforms is their ability to be global. Can you talk about how Nat Geo is set up internationally? Is there much differentiation in your many international channels? Yeah. So we, uh, I'm a big believer, having worked in the media space and international brands like Sesame Street, which I oversaw for a long time. Localization is critical important and you've got to make these channels locally relevant so we have you know we have what I would call embassies around the world and you walk into some of these offices Cynthia in Istanbul and in Delhi where I was just last week um, and they're like 
shrines to National Geographic. It's pretty amazing. And with people who are religiously connected to this brand, but in a localized way. So our Turkish or our Indian or our Mexican colleagues, uh, our Argentinian colleagues are producing some local content to give a context, a context that's relevant to local audiences wherever they are. Um, just an example, uh, last week we launched a show in India about six incredible women from the Indian Navy who have circumnavigated the globe, and we had the we had the na- the top Navy admiral at this event at a girls' school. With, you know, it was front page news in the Times of India. And that's, I think, where National Geographic can play. It's about getting these big global productions like Genius and uh, Free Solo out there, but it's also having some localized content that can be relevant to people. That, just just overseeing all of that activity in spots around the globe that must require quite a quite a staff and an infrastructure. You have a lot of boots on the ground. We do, and you know that's been one of the advantages that Twenty One CF brought um, to to our world and being able to access their talent. So when we you know when we did this deal, we we were able to take advantage of the whether it's the Star uh, TV India folks or whether the Twenty One CF talent base in Argentina or Mexico or wherever, we were able to harness their great executive talent and production talent to be able to get out there. And we imagine the same under Disney. And Disney's got a huge global footprint, which we're super excited about. And, and we've already had some you know, preliminary conversations with London and, and Latin America and, and Asia to try to figure out how we can reposition National Geographic and push it forward on an international basis. You know, about half of our revenues come from outside the United States at Nat Geo, so it's a very important part of our future. Is that the magazine and all the television and digital assets, too? Is that, yes. It's about, it's about that 50% in both exactly. kind of realms? Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, all of that international, you know, bespoke international programming sounds like gold for somebody wanting to launch a high-end international streaming service. I- exactly. And uh, now I think, you know, where we've got to do a push is on the digital side. Um, if you look at our footprint in social media, Cynthia, we're the number one social media brand, for instance, on Instagram in the world. We just passed 102 million followers. We just passed Nicki Minaj. We're very, you know, and we're catching up to Justin Bieber, so we're very excited about that right now. That's completely <laughs> counterintuitive in a world where people think, oh my God, we are so focused on the most inane things and people, and and forgive me for slamming folks, but you know that's so counterintuitive to where we think that like the culture's focus is. What drives it? Is, your, is it your personalities? Is it your climbers and the people that just adventurers and explorers that do these incredible things? A lot of that, I think, is photography. Mm. And people are so uh, visual, you know, they're so visual now. And because of smartphones, I think, in many ways, have, have made everyone a photographer, to see the best photographers in the world post their content to National Geographic's social media pages is so inspiring for, for people. And just, you know, being in India, there's 10 million people on our Instagram accounts just in India, right? So it's a big footprint around the world for Nat Geo. And you, I'm, I would imagine you guys are, have worked to harness that platform and get, you know, get the word out about programs and initiatives. Yeah, and t- to the point where Instagram actually sent us balloons for our anniversary for hitting 100 <laughs> million and and I don't think Instagram is known for, you know, saluting all their partners for doing stuff. So we were very proud of those balloons. Thank you Instagram. 
<laughs> That's great. I'm glad they're paying attention. <laughs> are there other um, Are there other opportunities that you see to monetize your library? You have just even on the video side, you have a rich, rich, rich and deep archive. Is there are there efforts? Have there been efforts underway in the past that may now change under the Disney regime? Yeah, you know, I'm not. I don't know how much it'll change. I think it'll give us some new opportunities to take advantage of the Disney uh, powerful uh, business activities in areas that um, Fox wasn't really in, like theme parks, you know, consumer products, um, travel. Uh, and other areas that um, Disney's incredibly strong in. So we plan to work with our colleagues at Disney to take advantage of that, and we think a National Geographic offering within their framework will be just really exciting. So we think that there's big opportunities for growth there. Um, We're in those places now, but we think we could grow those a lot under Disney. You must have, I, you know, certainly knowing Courtney Monroe, who runs your channels, is, has such a such a solid brand filter. But to do, it must be with a brand like Nat Geo that stands for so much of science and, and credibility more than anything else. That that yellow box, you've got to. You must have really careful decisions about things you go into because the last thing you want to do is kind of sully that that gilded yellow box. Yeah, I learned a long time ago, Cynthia, that the CEO of an organization is really the chief brand officer at the end of the day. And you're the one who's going to be responsible if if the brand is violated. And I, you know, my experience has been at Sesame or NPR here that, um, you know, you, the public knows when you violate the brand, when you go outside the border, and they call you on it. And so there's almost a social policing of these brands about where people connect uh, to it. And when you violate that through some association, um, you know, you, you, you know. So I think having kind of spidey sense, to use our new colleagues at Marvel's uh, <laughs> IP, spidey sense around where those boundaries are is what we would like to uh, make sure we're on top of. It, with so many, I mean, you have the high class problem of having so many social media followers. It must be it must be a full time job for people just to kind of watch what the reaction is and what people are saying about your content and your your initiatives. Do you 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 really get a lot of feedback from what people say online? Does that influence decision making? We have no shortage of feedback, <laughs> um, and we love each and every comment. So, uh, no, we have a great team of people who have come from different places, the New York Times, Time Magazine, you know, the Atlantic, all over, who have been part of, um, you know, the growth of social media, and they're just so super excited about being at National Geographic. I mean, it's one of these places where you have to pinch yourself sometimes and feel how lucky you are to be able to work for a content organization that's literally in the, you know, saving the planet business, <laughs> which is which is way cool compared to other things that you could be doing. Yeah, it's not a bad way to spend your day. Um, we've been talking a lot about global streaming, but what about the old-fashioned U.S. linear cable business? It feels very much under strain. Have you guys felt that with Nat Geo or any of the Nat Geo Wild or the offshoots? Well, I think Courtney, um, who's doing a terrific job, has um, you know carved out a really good strategy um, around uh, building what you know what's been called 2.0 content internally. I think Nat Geo, in some ways, a few years ago, and when I showed up there, 
uh, five and a half years ago, was kind of chasing uh, the reality TV um, bandwagon. And that what first of all, I think that was off-brand for us. That's not what our tribe wants. But but more importantly, as we move now towards uh, channels that affiliates are going to be willing to pay for in a very stressed environment to keep these cable bundles going, you've got to produce content that people are talking about. And, and, and this is why John Landgraf at FX and other people have done such a great job in getting uh, award-winning Content that is is a conversation starter. So there was literally a kid at the Toronto airport the other day who was yelling at his mom, you know, I want to see Free Solo. I mean, I, I couldn't make this up, right? I wish I had my camera. Did I? Did I just hear that? Right? Did you want to so, email him a oh link? Oh my you god! Know? <laughs> you know, it was very exciting. The kid was like, you, "That's 12. advertising you can't buy." <laughs> right. So I know that there's a buzz. And I know that buzz is probably going to get back to AT&T or Comcast, you know, and I think that's where the affiliate relationships are really important uh, and where we've got to drive that. So part of it is delivering ratings, but part of it is also delivering, I think, word of mouth. So these things, uh, people will be willing to pay for your channel versus a lot of other channels that are not conversation uh, starters out in the world. And once again, I mean, that that brand that just says so much, National Geographic or even Nat Geo in a channel listing, like, you know, you know what you're getting. And, you know, it's almost it's 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 part of the daily diet that that kind of factual and, you know, sort of high end documentary programming. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've got some amazing programming coming up. This one hostile planet is coming, which is incredible nature documentary. We've got the hot zone with Juliana Margulies. I mean, we're really doubling down on um, high end content that um, people are going to want to really tune in for or or access in in an on demand uh, platform. And you've had you've you've made some waves in the kind of in the awards arena the last couple of years with your genius franchise. Uh, started with Albert Einstein and and then moved on to Picasso with Antonio Banderas. And uh, from what we understand, your your next will be uh, the legendary Aretha Franklin. That's true. So we've How's had a that gr- coming. Great. We've had a wonderful relationship with um, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer at Imagine and um, our head uh, Carolyn Bernstein, who oversees that out on the West Coast. Um, has really done a terrific job working with showrunners and and uh, you know and casting the top talent in the world who want to who want to work for National Geographic. You know, they I think it's a brand that people are viewing now as a as a as a place to be, and that's what we wanted to create, and uh, that's what this brand deserves to have. Those, as I understand, too, the narrative, the big swings on scripted programming, those have real traction for you in the vi- in the video-on-demand um, arena. You know, obviously, they, they draw an audience in the live viewing, but from what I understand, those those really have great legs for you. Yeah, and so when I'm sitting on a plane, as I was, and the guy next to me, <laughs> who I didn't know, is watching Genius Picasso, I'm going like, okay, this is cool, right? So that's I, reach. That's reach, <laughs> you know. And um, I think that that's part of it. Look, I think we're moving Cynthia from a prefix environment of content to an a la carte environment of content, not just for long form video or television or movies, but also if you think about newspapers or magazines, 
um, where there was an editor kind of creating a prefix menu of things. Now we're in an a la carte menu of things that's being tailored to your needs. And the question for us or Variety or anyone else is how do you break through the clutter mm -hmm. to be able to reach Cynthia's inbox, right. so to speak, that um, will make you pay attention and want to access that content. We're competing against every piece of content ever invented in the history of humankind every night, whether it's no gone, pressure. <laughs> gone with the wind or a cat video, right? So the question is, how do you get National Geographic, the hot zone, and get that into people's inboxes so that they will um, tune in and be engaged around that program and hopefully want to learn more about the issues that that show is going to cover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Before you came, so you came to Nat Geo at the end of 2013. Before that, you served a stint at NPR, and before that, you had a long run, 22 years, at Sesame Workshop. What did your experience working, particularly with the Sesame Workshop brands, the Muppets, did, did, I would imagine that that would have probably been a great education in in branding and the, you know, having a brand that is so beloved and being a brand steward for something that is so beloved by now generations of families. Yeah, well, I mean, having, I could still do a pretty good count von count imitation, so uh, it... <laughs> You know, the legacy of Sesame Street, which is going to have its 50th anniversary this year, it's pretty incredible, um, is something that you just are there to protect, but also grow. And what Sesame Street taught me, and Joan Gans Cooney, who was such a mentor to me over the years, Joan always stood for reinvention and disruption. Um, and she she disrupted television by using the power of TV to teach where it was viewed when I was growing up as kind of the idiot box. Right. Remember it was right. called that? Right. Maybe we should bring that back. I'm not sure. Um, and now, uh, and, and she really reinvented it to teach letters and numbers and social and emotional learning. And so it was really the power of TV to, to, to teach. It wasn't a question of whether it was teaching. It was what was it teaching. So I've always taken that lesson and applied it to, you know, using that, the power of content to, uh, whether it's teach or touching people or emotionally moving them, whether it's with preschoolers or informing the public in NPR or engaging people around issues that are important at National Geographic. I think, you know, it's a trust that you have as the executive running these enterprises that, um, it, it, which has a responsibility. And um, that's how I've always tried to run these organizations. And I, you know, and there's a reason why they're still around after, you know, many, many years where other people have fallen off the, the tracks. Well, as a fan of many of those brands, I want to thank you for being a good steward of them and good luck. It's, I'm sure it's going to be a very it's going to be a wild ride for you in the next couple of months in that integration. We thank you so much for taking time to speak with us. Really great to be here. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business.